to Weaving Voices, Connecting Community Through Hawaii Life Stories, a podcast series in partnership with the Center for Oral History at the University of Hawaii Manoa, the Hawaii Council for the Humanities, and Hawaii Public Radio that features excerpts from the archive of over 800 interviews of Hawaii women and men at the UH Manoa Center for Oral History in the Department of Ethnic Studies, College of Social Sciences. Few women have held high political office on a national scale, and in state governments as well, men still far outnumber women in leadership positions. But that does not diminish the role women have played as educators and community leaders who have had a significant influence in shaping leaders and government policy. Some women started out as teachers and realized that if they wanted to make changes in how things were done, they would have to do it themselves. Others continued to teach while serving on government and community boards and organizations. The five women featured in these oral histories all started out as teachers. One remained in teaching throughout her career while serving as a community leader through her public and government activities. Two others left teaching to become successful political leaders. What drove all of them was their vision to build a better community. We start today with Virginia McBride, who was born in Oregon in 1903. When she was four, she moved with her family to Chicago and three years later to Utah. She graduated from the University of Utah in 1924 and taught school there for two years. McBride came to Hawaii in 1927 to teach at Hilo High School. After one year in Hilo, she moved to Honolulu and taught at Kalakaua Junior High School. And in 1930, she began teaching English at Roosevelt High School, then an English Standard School. During World War II, McBride left Roosevelt for a year and a half to work temporarily in the Office of Civil Defense. During her career as a teacher, she also spent three separate years on exchange to schools in California, Utah, and Connecticut. In 1949, McBride moved from classroom teaching to administration and became principal of Molokai Elementary School for a year. She then worked as a principal for various schools on Oahu, including Waikiki Elementary School, Cocoa Head Elementary School, and Manoa Elementary School. McBride retired in 1965. Virginia McBride was 88 when she was interviewed by Joe Rossi in 1991. What were your... uh first impressions of Hawaii when you came here? It was marvelous. The place was full of teachers. Waikiki, they call that um, Flapper's Acre because there were so many teachers living there at the time. <laughs> were these teachers from different parts of the country that were yes, living? Yes, yes. You see, Hawaii did not train teachers at that time. Mm-hmm. And all the teachers that came, came from away. I went over to Hilo to teach school. Yeah, I was the only one from Utah. You see, the most of the people in our school were children of workers that had come here to work in the fields. We came to, to Honolulu, at, out at Kalakaua. That was a junior high school. Some confounded person in Hawaii, or some group of people. You see, the, admin, the, the alley that came in here that were running the sugar industry and other things, didn't have the feeling for the for the um, immigrants that we had. We were working with them, and somebody got a bill through, and it was passed here that 
when children finished high school, the, the, the um, principal of the school was to recommend which ones could go on to the ninth grade into the senior high school mm -hmm. and which ones were through. That their education was finished when they got through the ninth grade at junior high school. They said that's high school education. They don't have to have more than a high school education. That's high school. But the, when the end of that year came, youngsters that I had had before came in crying because they couldn't go to high school. The uh, principal had been able to recommend only a certain percentage mm -hmm. to go on. And then we had election, and we went. I went with a bunch of people down at the beach where they were having their their. Uh, speeches. They were trying to guarantee that we would have workers in the cane field. Well, when he got up and made a speech, I told them all, don't vote for him, don't vote for him. He is a bad man. He doesn't want our children educated. Vote against him. And I made a big speech. And a day or two later, Tom Vance, who was our principal, had invited me to their house for dinner. And when we got there, I met Oren Long and his wife. He was a deputy superintendent at that time. I knew the name, but I hadn't met him. Mm -hmm. Oh, he said, you're Virginia McBride. And I said, yes, I am. And he said, I have a message for you. He said, the superintendent has been hearing things, and the people came up to complain that the teachers were out trying to influence the vote. And I have been told to tell you that you're not to tell people how to vote, and you are to just let them do their own voting, and you're not to try to make up their minds for them. Well, I was getting better than hell. And he said, now I made this speech. I told you what I was told to tell you. Now I'll speak for myself. I want you to keep right on talking and do everything you can to make <laughs> sure that man is out. Virginia McBride talking with Joe Rossi in 1991. Education to politics. That's a route many of these women traveled, and they did so in different ways. That's the case with Marion Lee Loy. She was born in 1911 in Honolulu, attending Central Grammar School and Lincoln School before entering Kamehameha School for Girls in the ninth grade. She graduated from Kamehameha in 1929 and enrolled at the University of Hawaii, where she received her fifth-year teaching certificate in 1934. She started her first teaching job in a small cottage in Huelo, Maui. Throughout the early part of her career, Mrs. Lee Loy taught at schools in Kohala, Honoka'a, and Hilo. In 1951, she returned to Honolulu, where she taught at Ali'i'i'olani Elementary School, Ka'ohumanu Elementary School, and Kapalama Elementary School. She spent the last 14 years of her career teaching at Farrington High School and retired in 1974. Mary and Lee Loy taught approximately 5,000 students throughout her 39-year teaching career. Outside of the classroom, she was involved in women's organizations while in Hilo, including the YWCA, Hilo Women's Club, and Kamehameha alumni. After moving back to Honolulu, she was involved in teacher association work and served on appointed boards and commissions, including the Kamehameha Day Commission from 1951 to 1961, and was appointed by John Burns to serve on the Governor's Commission on the Status of Women. She worked throughout her life with Kamehameha alumni, but her real passion was serving as a school representative for the Hawaii Education Association, the precursor to the HSTA. 
HEA was the National Education Association affiliate. And in 1957, she ran and was elected to serve as a delegate to her first NEA convention, attending 15 conventions after that. She was elected to serve in 1962-63 as the president of the Oahu Education Association, the first teacher to hold this position, and who successfully lobbied for the first significant pay raise and salary schedule under Governor Burns. She had four children. Marion Lee Loy was interviewed in January 1991, also talking with Joe Rossi. My parents both spoke Hawaiian fluently, but they didn't speak uh, Hawaiian to us, and they didn't want us to learn Hawaiian. Because my mother said she felt that if we learned Hawaiian, we would begin to speak a kind of pidgin. But if she kept the language pure and we only spoke English, then we would not have problems that she noticed when she taught other children, you know, that came from homes like that, mm -hmm. that the English was very poor. So she said she didn't want us, especially being a teacher herself, she didn't want any of her children speaking, speaking mm -hmm. pigeon. Mm -hmm. When did you uh, decide to become a teacher? The truth of the matter was, I actually did not want to be a teacher. I wanted to be a nurse because you help people out that are helpless. And so I told my mother I wanted to be a nurse. She said, no, I want you to go out and be a teacher. So that is how I became a teacher, mm -hmm. because she was a teacher. She wanted all her children to be teachers. And your daughter's a teacher. Mm -hmm. Teaching in the country versus teaching in the city. What differences or similarities, or whether there were any differences, did you notice? Well, I, out in the country schools, you do not have uh, as, well, shall we say, you don't have as many textbooks at your disposal uh, or for your use. But you know, for, for what little they had, the youngsters were very keen about learning. It was so funny, they want to stay after school, they want to show them out <laughs> in the classroom, because we want to go back to the cottage and do things for ourselves, you know. We had our ironing to do and washing and what else, so. But these youngsters wanted to stay on. I don't know this thing. You explain to me again, please. So which I go and go, oh, I see. It was nice though. You know, you feel that you were really teaching those kids. I mean, they were really getting some of them. Was teaching for you an eight hour a day job? I would say it was a 12, 10 to 12 hour work. Mm -hmm. You have six hours in school. Then you come home with all, depending on the class you had that year and what else. Sometimes my family would be all asleep. Well, usually I had my youngsters in bed by 8 o'clock. And most times I got to bed about 11 o'clock by the time I got through and went to take my shower and mm -hmm. go to bed. I was just so blooming tired now. Out like a light. There were some teachers that yeah. said that when they closed their door at, in the afternoon, that was then. They weren't going to take their work home with it because they feel that mm -hmm. they, after an hour should be for the family and mm -hmm. so on. But I said, you know, that's not real teaching. Real mm -hmm. teaching will be you have to follow through on what mm -hmm. each person has turned into you. Mm -hmm. And at least they have made an effort. 
Marion Lee Loy, interviewed by Joe Rossi in 1991, reflecting on her 39-year teaching career. Our next voice is Dr. Hatsuko Kawahara, who was born in 1911 in Honolulu to the daughter of immigrants from Japan. She attended Central Grammar School and Hawaii Nippon Chuo Gakuin before completing a two-year Smith-Hughes vocational training program at the Territorial Normal and Training School. At the request of Elsie Wilcox, she started the first kindergarten on Kauai in 1932, Lihue Kindergarten. She later went on to earn her bachelor's in education from Northwestern University and the National College of Education in Evanston, Illinois in 1937, her master's from the University of Wisconsin in 1950, and a doctorate in education from Columbia University Teachers College in 1954. She continued to teach, worked in the DOE's district and state offices, and served on the Board of Education. In retirement, she continued to work as an educational consultant. In 1991, she was 80 years old when she sat down for an interview with Michiko Kodama Nishimoto. As you were completing eighth grade, what were your thoughts of the future? Did you think you were going on to school, or what were you looking ahead at? My mother didn't want me to send me to high school, so I accepted it. And then I went to YWCA to look for, you know, uh, a job. And I went to work uh, for two weeks. And they felt uh, at 14 years old, I was too young to be able to do the housework. And so um, I heard about this um, Smith Hughes vocational training program and enrolled in there. It was uh, homemaking and, and preparing uh, students to work uh, or uh, be in charge of the cafeteria at the various public schools. It was really a combination of uh, going to business as well as cooking for large groups of people. Castle. Foundation hired me full-time. The group at the Castle Kindergarten felt that I should get a college education. So they gave me a four-year scholarship and paid my way to National College of Education to Evanston, Illinois. Why did you decide to run for the Board of Education? And were there like specific issues or, or areas that you were really concerned about special education. Another was in the area of curriculum. While I, I was a curriculum chairman, one thing I was able to uh, be able to uh, push it as chairman was that having that diploma for the, the one big lesson I learned uh, as a member of board is that for any uh, politician who may come out with some ideas, uh, as long as he has integrity, and uh, it's uh, you know that person's, uh, I felt I feel that even though he or she is in a minority, really needs to support if the idea is not political, mm-hmm. and it's difficult for a politician to you know, stick with an mm-hmm. idea or his ideals. And uh, 
um, more and more, I think, uh, as having been an elected uh, official, having been uh, in psychology and whatever, that to evaluate the person based on not on the politics, but the person, him or herself. There's an insight and a concept that resonates today. Hatsuko Kawahara talking with Michiko Kodama Nishimoto in 1991 when Ms. Kawahara was 80 years old. The next personal story we're hearing today is about Helene Hillier-Hale. She was born in 1918 in Minneapolis, graduating from Washburn High School in the University of Minnesota, where she also received her master's degree in 1940, and she then continued her education at Claremont College. She began her teaching career in 1945 at San Diego State College. In 1947, she moved to Hawaii and taught at Konawina High School for three years. She later taught at the University of Hawaii at Hilo from 1965 to 1966. In 1965, she became the president of Hawaii Isle Realty Limited and president of Hale Consultants Incorporated. She served on the Board of Supervisors for the Big Island from 1955 to 1963 and was the chair and executive officer from 1963 to 1965. She returned to county politics in 1980 as a member of the County Council, formerly the Board of Supervisors, and served until 1984. In 2000, she ran for the State House, making her not only the oldest person ever elected at age 82, but also the first African-American to serve in the legislature. She had two children. This interview was conducted in May 1988 in Hilo by Chris Coneybear and Dan Tuttle. Helene started off this portion talking about what it was like when she and her husband arrived in Hawaii soon after World War II in 1947. You came to Hawaii right after World War II in 1947, <coughs> and uh, we came as school teachers. Really, my husband came as a school teacher, and I was going to stay home for another year because my daughter was only a little over three. But there was such a shortage and a dearth of school teachers that we couldn't get a teacher's cottage to live in unless I could teach. They didn't even ask me whether I was qualified to teach. We decided to go to Kona. Nobody wanted to go to Kona to teach. I mean, all the Kona teachers wanted to go to Honolulu. I taught at Kona Wina. Both of us did. We didn't like the, the economic system, which reminded us of the South. It was just like an old Southern plantation, the feudal system. It was feudalism, really. And we advocated capitalism, where people could own their own land and build their own houses. And if you advocated capitalism in those days, they could call you a communist, which they did, <laughs> you know. We'd been there three years. In the 1950, my husband it was the first constitutional convention. Right. So my husband decided to run for that. He was advocating the breaking up of the plantation system and selling the land in fee simple, which most of the big landowners couldn't do because their trusts had tied up their land so they couldn't sell it. Of course that really shook up the establishment in Kona and because I was teaching at Kona Waina they tried to put pressure on my job and you know tell me I had he had to be quiet so I just wouldn't take that and I resigned. When you first ran were gender or race, any kind of issue? I had been a school teacher for three years, and there was an awful lot of respect for school teachers. So I had a lot of my former students who would help me, and uh, 
I think that helped a lot. Of course, my husband had been a school teacher too. I was the first woman ever elected to a board of supervisors in the I, state. I thought not only were you the first, but you kept getting reelected too, didn't you? Yeah. Well, after you once got in, it's um, a little easier. People got used to a woman. Up to that time, you see, people had not considered a supervisory job a woman's job because most of the supervisors considered themselves super road overseers. They spent their time <laughs> patching the roads, and, and I considered myself a policymaker. <laughs> I got elected for four terms, and then uh, by that time, we were beginning to get some authority on them. We were beginning to get some home rule. Basically, the old Board of Supervisors was an administrative body. The chairman was full-time and the board only met once every two weeks. So you'd make policy decisions and they wouldn't be carried out. So I ran. But I won. I think we did a real good job, but we didn't play politics. I, I look back on those days and I feel that I can, I, I can live with myself. I did it the way I thought it ought to be done. Colleen Hale, a trailblazer on so many fronts, talking with Chris Coneybear and Daniel Tuttle in 1988. We're winding up hearing from our interviews today, put together by the Center for Oral History at the University of Hawaii at Manoa, along with the support of the Hawaii Council for the Humanities. And we wrap up with Pat Psyche, born in Hilo on May 28, 1930. She attended Hilo High School and received her bachelor's degree from the University of Hawaii at Manoa in 1952. She went into teaching before beginning a political career with the Republican Party. She was first elected to the Hawaii State House of Representatives in 1968. In 1974, she won a state Senate seat where she stayed for eight years. She was the first Republican since statehood to be elected to the U.S. House in 1986, where she served for two terms before running for U.S. Senate and losing to Dana Kaka. She had five children. This interview was conducted by Daviana McGregor, Emmett Aluli, and Hardy Spore in 2019, when Pat Psyche was 89 years old. Before I even graduated from college, Dr. John Fox, who was the president of Punahou, came up to the university and said, it's time that we hired a local person to teach at Punahou. We always hired only mainland people. So, Pat, we'd like very much when you graduate to come down and become a member of our faculty. And I taught there for a year until I got married with, to Dr. Psyche, and we left for Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where he did his graduate work. We returned to Honolulu and I then resumed my teaching career six more years at Kamiki Intermediate School and then at Kalani. At Kalani, I said, well, the best way to teach you American problems is to let you learn about government. And the best way to learn about government is for you to participate. At that time, there was a measure before the legislature to lower the voting age to 18. So I said, well, then you draft up the testimony and I'll make arrangements for you to go down to the legislature and testify and lobby. So they did, and by golly, the measure passed. That was the greatest lesson for them. They learned American problems, like, firsthand. And, you know, they, they really appreciated it. Kalani is where I got exposed to 
politics. The Republicans sought my participation. They were all on Maui. They drafted me to come over because they were going to put me up as secretary of the Republican Party. And I did. They elected me as secretary of the Republican Party. And that's how I got involved with party activities, although I had already committed to be a Republican. My Republican friends, who were researchers with the, with the minority party at that time, convinced me that I should come down and work for them. So after the year at Kalani, I went to the uh, research committee of the Republican Party. But, you know, they were not as interested or concerned about education as I was. So all of my suggestions had to wait. So I decided, hmm, I think I'll try to do this myself, if this is the way to do it. And so that's when the inkling came to my head that perhaps I should try. I then got elected to the 1968 Constitutional Convention because I thought this is the beginning of a new era for Hawaii. It was during that time that I met Hannibal Tavares. He was the one that whispered to my husband that I should run for office. I really seriously felt that I shouldn't be running for office because I had five kids by that time. And I was, should be a homemaker and stay home with the kids. But no, uh, my parents from Hilo, the Fukudas, came over and volunteered that they will help me take care of the family. And of course, my husband was totally supportive. They convinced me that I should run. So I did, and uh, that began the career. That's your long story. That was Pat Psyche talking in 2019 with Daviana McGregor, Emma Aluli, and Hardy Spohr. For the Center for Oral History at the University of Hawaii at Manoa, the Hawaii Council for the Humanities, and Hawaii Public Radio, I'm Bill Dorman. Thank you.